Welcome to another episode of Dying for Midnight, DFM. Be mindful of your surroundings while tuning in. There might be a fellow listener, and they're a lot closer than you think. I sure do love a good barbecue. Hello, dear listener. We are coming to you on the very last Friday of September 2023. Carrie, I wrestle with announcing the day and date because you, the lovely DFM family member, may very well not be listening to this on the day and time of this release. And, well, it could date the episode, Carrie. Absolutely. It could definitely can. You know, everybody likes to listen on their own time, on their own free time. But I kind of like it because it helps us create a little DFM history and to archive things for those that like to organize their pod queue. What are we talking about today, Carrie? We are talking about the 2009 all-vampire sort of sci-fi sort of action hybrid flick. It's got an extinction-level storyline featuring Sam Nail, William Defoe, and the star of our film, Ethan Hawke. Um, almost a decade and a half ago now, Carrie, they all look so young in this film. Think about Ethan Hawke and the genre film. He was in another genre, genre, genre film all the ways back in the mid eighties in Joe Dante's Explorers. They were all legends already, but think about what they've done since they made this movie like 14 years ago. Now, fast forward to the black phone and now look back at him in this film. I mean, the lighthouse um with Willem Dafoe Sam Neill was in Thor for a brief moment heck he even returned as the dino expert in Jurassic World you never thought that that character was ever going to come back to the screen um there's much that can be said for all three of these actors just in the past one and a half decades and, and our two hooligans zombie toots and ghostly poppers are now experiencing them so if you're just joining us or jumping around our catalog and are in the mood for more vampire discussion after or before you listen to this Daybreakers episode, whether or not it's in September 2023 or not, uh, may we suggest the following episodes. In episode 29 from just a few weeks ago, well, again, if you're listening to this in September, episode 29, we talked about Tom Holland's Fright Night. The original 1985 with Chris Sarandon um, and a bunch of other famous horror people. Episode 26, Vampires, whereas I was mistakenly calling it for a while, Vampires with a Y because we're in the UK. If you're in the mood for some 70s swinging blood sommiers as featured in our Taste of the UK month, check out the Sexploitation film. In episode 21, we had the Lost Boys to round out our... Uh, Beach Party Bonfires and Blood Month. Um, that's another 80s take that we all love. In episode 12, The Roost, T. West Mumblecore Launch Point, which technically isn't vampires, but features bats that turn people into flesh-eating ghouls in rural Pennsylvania. So I'm going to say it counts in terms of our catalog. So, Carrie, where were we now? Episode 33. 33. Okay. So we've only got a dozen more episodes to go for season one here, Carrie. 
Um, this episode, we like to call it the undying subgenre. Nosferatu, Dracula, Universal, Hammer, Modern 80s, all the ways up to today. The vampire had to return, or excuse me, never really had to return, like the slasher did during the slasher resurgence. It never, ever went away. It, no, and there's different versions of vampire movies. Like, you have the romance vampire movies. You have the comedy vampire movies. The gothic vampire movies. The gothic movies. vampire movies. Yeah, exactly. You have period vampire movies. Yeah, the artsy-fartsy vampire movies. The sexploitation vampire movies. The hammer, the this, that, and the other. Um, the full moon <laughs> subspecies, uh, which is... <laughs> A guilty pleasure. That's a lot of fun. But we, listen, we could have called this episode the Vampire Wars of the 21st Century because what happened to vampire films, as you all probably know, is that it went from that Dracula Euro slant to an American teen pop culture, back to American teen pop culture again, but movies like Daybreakers, 30 Days of Night, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, even Underworld took vampires to another place. They all said, wait a minute, remember films like Near Dark? Vampire films can still be about ferocious, bloody, gory vampires. Um, I mean, you know, the Underworlds and the Van Helsings of the world were a little too stylized studio productions, but they all basically said not all vampire films are about sparkly, teenage angst vampires. And not just that, but you have all the series that were shooting off in the 90s, the 2000s. Yeah, but I in mean, terms of the reaction to the 2000s Twilight things, people are like, wait a second. All you have to do is look back 20 years to The Lost Boys in Near Dark. Um, oh, wait a second. We've got the we've got the male wolf. He says to drop the vampire films and check out our werewolf episodes. Okay, yes, maybe you don't like it, male wolf, but we, well, really most people can't get enough of vampire films. There's so many out there. But um, can we agree, male wolf, that you can like both vampire films and werewolf films? Okay. No, this isn't a Team Edward versus Team Jacob debate here. We can have both. Settle down, male wolf. Okay, well, all right, I'm sorry. I love werewolf movies. It's okay. Come here, good boy. What does Jake have to say about this one? Case and Carrie. Let me get this straight. It's 2019, and the whole world is run by vampires. And they're all kind of fucked? An interesting question, if there ever was one, for sure. Hello again, my buddies in bloodshed. It's Jake, the Midnight Traveler, back again for another swim in the crimson cinematic rivers of carnage. And finishing our streak with modern horror, we bring you this unique tale where the tables are truly turned as a once all-too-common enemy returns. They, at the same time, are also the ones that are in peril? You heard me right, people. This week, we head into the world of 2009's Daybreakers. This was one that passed me by that summer, back in 2009. I was still in the middle of remake fatigue, and I had serious reservations against almost anything new around this time, so... It wasn't until I assumed my post here at Dying from Midnight that I actually got around to watching this thing. Looking back, I'm kind of sorry that I waited because, while not exactly an essential classic, this 
is a pretty neat little movie with an interesting take on an all-too-familiar trope. Picture it. It's 2019. Hold for laughter. And vampires, literal vampires, make up 95% of the world's population. Those not turned are either living in hiding from the bloodsuckers or are pretty much cattle to be farmed for their blood in elaborate vertical laboratories. The blood supplies, though, are dwindling rapidly, and those that aren't able to fully get their needed amounts have turned into subterranean feral animals, attacking anyone and anything they can. Uh, any synthetic substitute to satiate the need literally turns those who take it into vampire blood bombs, so it looks like we are coming up on strike three for the fanged ones. So, it's established fairly early on that this time the vampires are the ones in serious peril with little to no hope of survival. Sounds interesting. So the drive of this movie finds Edward, played by Ethan Hawke, trying to find a solution to what may be a literal end-of-the-world famine for most of what remains of said world. Cast also features two heavier heavyweights in Sam Neill and Willem Dafoe, as the race for a cure, or something like it, can be located. I gotta give it to the production design in this, as it does a great job painting the entire world in a pallid gray, which is really effective when splashes of red splatter the walls when the ferals make their way topside. I don't want to spoil the rest of the film, but I can say that this film makes a very valiant attempt at finding a new way to tell this tale, and I, for one, commend them for it. You'd be hard-pressed to find um, any story or trope or whatever term you want to use more worn than the vampire tale, but this was the first one in a long time to me that really swung for the fences and wasn't complete and utter garbage that nearly ruined humanity. Sorry, Twilight. I had to be honest and get that out. If you are one who still has trust issues with newer horror, then if anything, let me assure you that there has been good stuff released in the last 20 years. There have also been plenty of duds that I missed out on, thankfully, but there have been others that have kicked myself hard for not seeing in the moment when it initially came out. We'll probably talk about more of those later. I think that this is a pretty damn good movie, and with the trio of Defoe, Neil, and Hawk, who is pushing himself into horror these days and having a pretty decent amount of success with it. I think that about does it for me tonight here, folks. My ride is coming and I'm getting low on stakes. They say that his name is Elvis and he might be the king. And if the stories I have heard about his dick are true, then I think he truly does deserve that name. See you next midnight. Jake. Carrie, what do you think about what Jake had to say about Daybreakers? I think he's on point. Willem Dafoe's large penis, apparently. <laughs> I think he's on point. I mean, About Willem Dafoe's large penis? Probably. I'm, you've seen it in Antichrist. That's right. Not unless that was a stunt cock. Well, you don't know. 
I mean, it's somebody's Hello, penis. Hello, Mr. Willem Dafoe, sir. Can you tell me about your penis, please? <laughs> what? <laughs> but we're going to move right along to movie posters and taglines. Enough of the Dafoe penis and more about Dafoe's acting chops, um, which I guess a penis can be about. You can, can you act with your penis? I think you could. Well, there's porn. So, yeah. yeah. So, okay. So, Daybreakers. We've got the one that when you went to Redbox back in 09 or 10 or whenever this came out, uh, or you ordered your DVD still from Netflix, although I think it was starting to die off by that point. You've got the, the one with our three headliners, Defoe, Hawk, Neil. And to me, um, well, you know what, Carrie, you tell me what you like about these posters. Well, which one's your favorite? First of all, so first of all, my favorite is the one in the middle where it shows the humans being farmed and it's this beautiful visual poster. I mean, it just, it doesn't give the ending away. And I love that about posters. For me, a poster is, I want it to be visually appealing. I want it to catch my eye. I want it to tell a story, but not tell the entire story. Yeah. Well, and I, yeah. And I feel like while I do like the first one, which is just the normal one that you would see on the DVD, you know, that has the battle for blood begins, um, with all the three main characters. Yeah. What about that? Yeah. What about that last one? That last one, I haven't seen that one before. Yeah, the red one with yeah. the fangs. It almost looks like big walrus to it, me. It's Reminds pretty... me of the Justin Long movie with the walrus. I forget what it's... It might be just be walrus. It's pretty gnarly looking. It kind of doesn't look like vampire teeth. It, it Again, it's like saber tooth. It looks like It's a, a bad seal. Photoshop job, actually. It looks like a seal. Like, like a seal. <laughs> I'm ready for... Uh, uh, uh. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Odd. It, it's kind of odd. It doesn't work all that well, actually. But, um, you know, the first one kind of gives away a lot. Um, I'm going to go with the middle one, too. The humans being farmed. Um, It's sci-fi. You're looking at this poster like, what is going on? Um I think the taglines we're about to talk about, I think makes this also helps make this the best poster and the middle one. You subtly see the headliners on this. Um, Apparently the marketing team loved the middle one because that's the one that they were using during press tours. We had watched that little five minute thing with Ethan Hawke on the press tour and they use this one. Um, The I, I think there's something to be said about why there's three different ones too. So, and I, and I appreciate them aiming at horror fans with that third one. That's red. That looks like it's some kind of sea creature instead of an animal or an animal instead of a vampire. But, um, the first one that's on the DVD, that's the one that pops up whenever you're shopping for it. Um, that's the action one. That's the one like, Hey, we've got Hawk Defoe and Neil in this movie. Um, it is action oriented. They, the, the tagline for this one is the battle for blood begins. And then you've got, um, Fangoria even stating 
um, what is that? I can't read the guy's name. Tony from Fangoria. Sorry, Tony. It says he's quoted as calling this original, scary, and action-packed. So that is an action-focused poster. The middle one, it's a sci-fi. Now keep in mind, this came out in 2019, or excuse me, 2009. So they're thinking 10 years from now. In 2019, the most precious natural resource, ellipses, is us. Um, and then the last one doesn't even bother with a tagline it just says coming soon <laughs> it's like we got to appeal to the horror people but we don't yeah. have time just slap it on there so you've got this like you said the sword of action sword of sci-fi sword of horror jake you made a good point about the gray palettes of this movie and the blood literal blood bombs going off whenever they take the bad synthetic blood whenever it's tested on that poor guy he's like ow and then he, poof, he explodes everywhere that was pretty neat explosion it, it was so um now there's one there's a tagline that's not on a poster it's the battle between immortality and humanity is on so i i like that one i i think that that captures all three elements yeah i agree so any other thoughts around the posters carrie nope mm-hmm. moving right along to carrie you know what we're not done with it yet what is your alternate tagline okay. for this movie all right what's that never growing old can be a bit because <laughs> you have all those kids i'm actually imagining never grow up yeah, Willem Dafoe's character saying that, like riding in his modified vamp car, ta- reminiscing about before he, uh, well, you guys know we're a spoiler pod, before he gets thrusted out of his windshield, set on fire in the sun, and then he's cured by going immediately into the water. He accidentally finds a cure to vampirism. Yeah, and, and Jake mentions that this is, it's a very fresh take in terms of vampire lore. Yeah. And, you know, they've decided to, Find a way to make something fairly original with the vampire lore, which I appreciate. Yeah, I, I I appreciated that too. And I loved that they only set like the future was 10 years down the road from when the movie was made. Yeah. And, you know, we're going to get into what other movies this movie reminds us of and, and the three headliners. We'll talk about some of our favorite movies of theirs, but... I was kind of going for the sci-fi horror blend with my alternate tag not tag nine. Jeez. Listen, it's only Wednesday. I keep messaging the Midnight Traveler with uh, GIFs. I think the last one I sent him was like Teen Wolf. And it's like where he's looking at himself in the mirror and he can't believe that he's changed. Scott Howard. And I said, because it's not Friday yet. It just, I wake up every day thinking it's one day later than what it is. So I apologize if I'm misspeaking left and right. I'm very tired. Um, Alternate taglines, though. I'm going with kind of a play on the one that already exists. 2019, the year human blood fetches a high price. So I'm taking that from some of Sam Neill's dialogue. Here's a good news, listeners. If you want to do a little self-care and indulgence in terms of daybreakers and physical media and streaming, 
skip the $3.99 to rent to $9.99 to own streaming, unless you really just want to have it in your library, digital library. Go for the Blu-ray. It's only $7.65 for this Blu-ray. That's really awesome price. It's only $6.45 for DVD. And if you feel like sharing with a loved one or your roomie or best bud, one of you doesn't care, or the other one really wants the Blu-ray, get the multi-format for $9.99. For $9.99. If it was $99, run for the hills. But no, that's that's some good prices. And actually, if you just want to go for a very good copy, you can get the um you can get a used right now on ebay three bucks for the uh, daybreakers uh, dvd so if you're thinking i want to check it out but i don't really want to pay full price do it three bucks it's yours you won't you won't regret buying this dvd (laughs) that's that's my thing we're gonna get a message you guys told me i wouldn't regret this i could have had a cheeseburger instead (laughs) But this is such a fun movie. Could have that fucking cheeseburger. No. If you like horror, no, no, no. you like it's a action, good and you it's, like sci-fi. It's a safe purchase. And, and this is one of those movies that you could have somebody else watch it with you who's not necessary a horror fan. Who's like, not a necessary whore? <laughs> horror. Listen, whores are very necessary. Right, Carrie? <laughs> horror. Whores. Um, <laughs> moving on from horrors that are worth $3 and horrors that are worth $3 to the creators of Daybreakers, <laughs> Michael and Peter Spierig, who appreciate good horror. I don't know if they appreciate a good $3 horror or as Willem Dafoe's Elvis character would say it more risky than a five bareback and a $5 horror or something like that. Yeah, that was um, one of his lines. Yep. It all comes full circle with the whores. <laughs> the brothers, they haven't done a ton. You know, they've directed the big picture, Undead, of course, our lovely Daybreakers with the whores, Predestination, Carrie. Which I saw. You love that movie. I love that movie. They've done the 2017 Jigsaw. They've done Winchester in 2018. And they've got an upcoming movie called False Flag that's in, currently in pre-production. So, cast, look, we know the three that we're talking about today. We've got Ethan Hawke as Edward Dalton, okay? We've got Willem Dafoe as Lionel, or we can just call him Elvis. That's what he calls himself. He even references some Elvis songs. Mm -hmm. Um, Sam Neill as Charles Bromley, the corporate nasty. We've got... uh, Isabel Lucas, who's playing Allison Bromley, his daughter, who gets basically, by the end of this movie, the vampires are kind of like put through a holocaust towards the end of this movie. It actually was brutal. That was very brutal to watch. And, spoilers, guys, of of course, as always, Michael Dorman, Ethan Hawke's character's brother, Frankie Dalton, has, well, I'm going to comment on this in a bit. I'm going to comment on Michael Dorman because I liked his character a lot. We've got Claudia Carvin as Audrey Bennett. And we've got Hario Minto Day as Lisa Barrett. And she was the one woman who survived towards the end. Um, We've got Edward Dalton, the hematologist, as basically best friendish slash co worker who turns on him towards the end. Vince Colosimo played Christopher. So 
Let's go through the big three. Okay. Let's talk about their role in this movie and then what your favorite top three roles are. Let's start with probably you could go either him or Defoe or the most senior out of this cast. We'll start with Mr. Sam Neill, Charles Bromley here. What are your thoughts on his role in this movie? I mean, my favorite scene of his was when he's sitting there He's bleeding the woman out in the chair, drinking her blood in a wine goblet. And he's talking about it, never about being about the blood substitute. He wants the humans to repopulate. So he wants he them can to get some $3 them. whores. <laughs> get those $3 whores and repopulate. I mean, mm, this is tastes like the blood of somebody who had a $3 whore. Well, apparently she had very good blood because he was drinking in a wine goblet. And not mm. in a plastic cup. 100% pure blood. <laughs> Back to the middle and around again. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, the blood substitute was supposed to sustain. Sustain? <laughs> Did it abstain as well? <laughs> I'm having a really Did it abstain time. from the $3 horse? <laughs> it's been a long week. Mm-hmm. Um... Yeah. So he wants somebody to pay top dollar for the real thing, which is I We're guess not talking really about good horse. blood. <laughs> really good excuse me? Really good what? What? Oh, okay. I, never mind. What do you think I said? Well, this is an explicitly listed podcast. <laughs> Parents, if you're with your younger ones, cover their ears. I thought you said really good hit. <laughs> So anyways, head of hair. <laughs> when I'm tired, I get really bad and my filters go down, so it is what it is. But um so my top 3 Sam Neill roles are actually I loved him in The Hunt for Red October. He was excellent in that movie. And then mm-hmm. Jurassic Park. You know the hold up for the The Hunt for Red October. I think if you went back and I'm going to have to little like, I think he's good in it, but dude, the accents don't hold up. In that no, movie. it doesn't. But you take it for what it is. You're right. It is a fun one in terms of all the Jack Ryan movies. It's a good one. And it's, and it's got, uh, Sean Connery in it and Alec Baldwin, who man, poor guy. <laughs> um, yeah, sorry. What else? What did you say? Did you say Jurassic Park already? Yeah. And okay. then Event Horizon. All right. I enjoyed Ooh, that movie. I don't know why I forgot about Event Horizon for a minute. I haven't watched, I honestly have not watched Event Horizon. It's been at least 15 years, maybe, since I've watched that. Maybe 20. I think the, I, you know what? I might have watched that at IUP the last time I watched that. I thought we watched it together since we've been married. I rem, you know what? I think you're right. I thought I remember being in the townhouse. But I think I remember we like started watching it late and might have dozed off. And I don't think it's for lack of liking it. I think no. it was just <laughs> like late. tonight. We're tired. <laughs> it's been a long week. I'm dying to stay up to midnight. Hint, hint. Get I would it? love to stay up to midnight. Dying but for midnight. Never going to happen. No, not at this rate. Although sometimes I'll stay up till midnight and I pay for it the next day. But um, just can't help being an early riser, folks. Um 
I'm not an early riser. I'm You know forced. what? Sam Neill, his role here as Charles Bromley, the just a great corporate prick, cold-blooded, bottom line, heartless in so many ways, actually. <laughs> Come to think of it, he literally doesn't have a heartbeat. Um, just a fascist corporate vampire role. You know, I felt like I was... I really felt like I was watching another version of his Damien role here. Yeah. So with that being said, in terms of my favorite roles, I I really do enjoy Sam Neill as adult Damien in the Omen 3 Final Conflict. Um, You need to watch Possession. I was too tired to watch it. Oh, my God. You got to be in the right frame of mind, though, too. You got to be in the right frame of mind. That is such an intense movie. If you don't know about Possession, people, check it out. You gotta you gotta be willing to go through some relationship, physical and emotional and verbal abuse watching his character with his counterpart in that. And then the poor kid on the side. Nothing happens to him, but he's like witnessed all these terrible things that these two parents and couple is doing to each other. It's and then there's like some kind of space horror mixed in. It's really intense. Um and then I'm gonna go with Carpenter. I, I'm gonna I have to go within the mouth of madness. And one of my favorite, one of my favorite memes is Sam Neill from that. He's on the bus. It's either he's on the bus or he's in the theater and he's crying. And then he's in one of the other places and he's laughing. So it's like he's crying. It's like <laughs> humans die terrible ways in a horror movies. And the, and the meme is like he's laughing. And then, the, and then the other side of that meme is the dog dies and he's like bawling. Yeah. That's like one of my favorite memes ever. Um, is from that, from that movie. And can we say this? Because Samuel's character, he turns to be a vampire because he was found to be dying of cancer. His character was. That dying. was a neat little touch. That was a neat little twist. Like he was dying, got cured when he became a vampire, and so if he was turned back, I wonder if his body would revert back to the cancer. Well, we don't know because he doesn't survive to the end of this movie. Now let's move along to Willem Dafoe. What about his role here and his top three roles for you? I mean, Willem Dafoe, he just has that cool way of talking and speaking and certain things that he slides in about Elvis and about, you know. His job as as an auto mechanic. Yeah, it's a very long story to get to a point that he was once a vampire mm-hmm. and how he recognized as his product that he created. Yeah. He was the first one to put the cameras on top of the car, the sun shields. Mm-hmm. And it's funny that he breaks through while he has the accident and flies through the windshield. And that's how he accidentally comes on the, uh, comes upon the uh, cure. Yeah, because it was, if I recall, it was because he was low on blood and he hadn't had blood in a while. And so he had like blood deprivation and that's what caused the accident, Hmm. which is interesting. Another scene where you see, you don't see a lot of movies that show like blood deprived beings like... Um, 
like for like a long period of time. Like you, you know did what? get it for a short. They period. were very subtle with blood deprivation in the Lost Boys, because like you could tell days were going by and Michael like was starting to get like really tired out and peckish looking, and um, Kiefer Sutherland's character is like they're killing the surfer zombies. Or excuse me, not the surfer zombies. The the um, that'd be a cool one. The surf Nazis and and basically biting into their skulls and necks and toss them and cooking them on the bonfire, as we talked about during beach party bonfires and blood month. But he's like, you must feed. Um, and I think even um, on uh, I'm surprised you didn't bring this up, Carrie. In um, the kiss of the damned, they talked about blood deprivation. Quite regularly, actually. They talked about it, but they didn't show it. Yeah, no, they did because he was growing weak and he was like, I can only take doing the hunting of the deer for so long. And then whenever he finally had like blood, blood and the little, they went to that little upscale party with the opera singer and they had like the little luxurious shots of blood mixed with whatever. And you could just tell he was like, it was like a new level of blood it wasn't just animal blood but anyways yeah um so what are your three top roles for willem dafoe for me i loved him in the lighthouse that was a really weird movie i mean when you're watching it you're thinking at first okay what's going on what's going on stick with it till the end Mm -hmm. stick with it to the end it's interesting very very i don't want to give it away but it's very interesting the ending Hmm. and then his role in boondock saints i mean that's just his cross-dressing role that's a great role it's a great role i think when we were in college i think i watched boondock saints at least 20 times just be just and and of course Norman Reedus was awesome in it, and, the, yeah. and that whole cast, even the the relatively unknown guys, were really good in it. Um, the but whole, he was so charismatic. The whole recreating scene—that is my favorite scene in Boondock Saints, where he's recreating the the one scene. Yes, that you know, it's everybody knows that scene. You know, part of it. Excuse me, I'm yawning into the mic. I apologize, people. But um, no, the. Just he, there's always memes of the god dang social media anymore. I swear to you, that's the one thing that's come out of all this is just the memes and the gifs. But just he's always, he's always got a maniacal look. Willem Dafoe, no matter what role he's in, those damn eyes of his are so maniacal. Look at these skeleton decorations in our basement. Tell me you don't see Willem Dafoe in those eyes. Yeah, it's freaking Willem Dafoe. Yeah, especially he's got that the most one. skeletal stare maniacal skeletal willem dafoe stare a little green one yes yeah it's willem dafoe willem dafoe, willem dafoe face there's the green goblin <laughs> hello peter yeah <laughs> hello peter parker peter parker welcome to oscorp <laughs> dude if i tried that i wouldn't be able to do it no. again no nope. where's your little slut mary jane <laughs> um <laughs> Willem Dafoe, <laughs> if you're listening, haha. Oh, and my last, my last favorite role of him is, is the Northman. 
his role in Northman. Oh, shit. The Northman. That was a really that good movie. That is an awesome choice. I, we waited a while to watch that movie. And when we finally did, I was so glad we watched it. It lived up to the hype. All it did. Awesome choice. Hey, that also has Ethan Hawke in it. Yeah. Play, uh, who's the main guy in that, though? Because it's not about Defoe or Hawk. Oh, Skarsgård. Skarsgård. Eric Skarsgård? Is it Eric? No, that's... No, that's Eric his from name, True, True, True Blood. Blood. <laughs> yeah. See, aren't you glad I had a little True Blood slip? Alexander. Alexander Skarsgård. Yeah, Eric. Um, Eric from True Blood. <laughs> I know. We should go start watching that again. We started watching the first, like, five or six episodes again, and we kind of trailed off. Yeah. Probably because school started for yeah. the... Uh, ghostly puppers and zombie toots fourth grade but um yeah that also has ethan hawk in it um by the way carrie willem defoe's in beetlejuice too really that is official oh yes we are going to the theaters to see that one yes oh we have to yeah. i mean especially um ghostly puppers for sure yeah um I, I love Willem Dafoe here in Daybreakers. It's like, to me, this is a role that's just like icing on the cake. It's like, imagine the casting guy's like, dude, we got Willem Dafoe. It's like, fuck, he can do no wrong. It doesn't matter. You could have put him in the smallest role and it would have kicked ass. But I, I'm glad that he was here for at least half of the movie. But I, I have to go. I discovered Willem Dafoe when I watched Platoon as a kid. And just that scene of he's running in the jungle and he gets betrayed and he gets shot and he's, you know, that scene where he's he's getting shot and his arms flail flail up in the air. Um, Love him in Streets of Fire. Of course, I've got to agree with you with Boondock Saints. And yeah, honorable mention to Norman Osborn in his Spider-Man role. Let's move right along, Carrie, to Ethan Hawke. What about his role here in Daybreakers and your top three roles for okay. him? So you know you know me. If you haven't noticed by now, I love Ethan Hawke movies. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I do too. We I just do. watched, um, we rewatched The Black Phone. Yes, with, uh, with Ghostly, Ghostly Puppers, Puppers yeah. who she really- Zombie Toots, and, he was he, not in the mood to be freaked out. And actually, and it was for the best for, because Zombie Toots, I don't think could handle the material at this point in time. Oh, no. Black Phone's a heavy, that's a, I mean, it's, creepy it's just i mean look prisoners is creepier to me prisoners is creepier to me than the black phone i mean think about it whether at the candlelight vigil and the guy goes back into the house and everything that's yeah i know paul dano and no that's a creepy ass movie yeah we might have to talk about prisoners someday and my uh experience with almost being kidnapped but and well, we, that took a depressing yeah. turn. Well, we told the kids that, you know, like, because I remember when we first watched The Black Phone, we were both affected by it. Yeah, I, I didn't sleep that great the last night or the last night, the last time before this last yeah. time we watched it. God, I can't English. Um, yeah. So anyways, I, I got you off track. So, yeah, yeah we, we you love Ethan Hawke. Yeah. Um I, I I've loved, got some thoughts about I loved him in Daybreakers. He played this so subtle. Uh, he, you know, plays a doctor, a hematologist, and he's trying to find a cure well, not a cure, but he's trying to find a blood substitute and synthesize and he's getting close and he feels the pressure, but he also hasn't lost his humanity. He's probably one of the few vampires that haven't lost his humanity yet. And he even says to his brother, 
I can't drink that pure blood. Like I haven't touched that in like forever. By the way, here's what you reminded me of. Um, with Ethan Hawke's role and Sam Neill's role. You spoke about Sam Neill having cancer and becoming a vamp, being infected, curing that cancer. What are they all walking around doing in this movie? Smoking. Smoking. Yeah. yeah. So that when I think of this movie and Ethan Hawke, I think of smoking. And by the way, did you know that um, he had these natural cigarettes? He, he actually quit smoking before this movie and then his role in this movie had to walk around with these you know basically acting cigarettes yeah um i did not read if he got him going again with smoking oh my god but i love ethan hawk but there is that there is that moment in time where you could tell his voice got rougher because of the smoking yeah yeah so I mean, if you look at his early years, you know, reality bites and stuff like that. I mean, he was much younger yeah. than too. I mean, you're you're still talking. That's even 15 years before. Yeah. Um, Daybreakers. Yeah. And look now, even. But you, you know, know, I enjoy the documentary years. that he did about um, the last movie stars that we watched. Oh that yeah, over real... COVID, where he talked about Paul Newman and, and um, Joanne Woodward. Yeah. That, oh, was that was a really wonderful. awesome documentary. He did such a good job he with that. He did. And I even like how um, his daughter's on there with him, um, Maya. Yeah. And she's basically telling him, <laughs> helping him how he should approach this. And, um, you know, she's basically, I'm paraphrasing, you know, just be yourself, be authentic. And, you know, but anyways, no, that, that was a wonderful project. And um, to your point about him doing things outside of just acting. Dude, I even loved watching Ethan Hawke just on the Criterion Collection channel. Him walking into a closet and saying with his wealth of knowledge and experience in acting and film why he loves. And just he's picking out one. He's like, I love this because the this type of lighting and because so-and-so. I read a book about when they did the production on this movie and I really, that really inspired me. Like he would just pick out these little minute details and because of his experience expand on it. And just the way he talks is very, I don't know. He's, he's kind of like a magnet listening yeah. to him talk. It, it's, I and, mean, um, but he... fish priest that that's that police procedural podcast. I told yeah. you I wanted to listen to. Yeah. And like, it sounds like almost like a spiritual successor to training day. Like imagine his character in Training Day, yeah. but now he's older. Yeah, that's what it reminds well, he, me. Well, he he even did an awesome job playing Chet Baker. Oh yeah. I mean, funny Valentine. And, and I, we re, rediscovered this, and we're re-looking at this. Zombie Toots is playing the trumpet. He's learning yeah. how to play the trumpet. And, yeah, and he loves that type sun, of music. Some Chet Baker sunglasses on. Yeah, he loves that type of music. <laughs> yeah. Hey, if he can if he can sing like that and play for his lady friends, I'm sure they'll like it too. <laughs> but look at all these plans we're making for him. He's just like, oh, he just blows up. That's all he cares about. Right he was now. doing pretty good no, the other is. day. He is. He totally is. Yeah. So, yeah, you've said pretty much everything I was going to say in terms of um, the hematologist's role in this movie. And no, I think it's, I think he plays it pretty straightforward. He's he is the like. He is refusing. You talk about blood deprivation. He is not thrilled. Like Sam Neill notices him in his lounge, 
his executive lounge. And he's like, oh, you, you're not a coffee drinker. Well, we know he's not thrilled about having to drink blood. Mm-hmm. His brother comes on his birthday. After he's celebrating years, 30, 35 for 10 years. Yes. You know, let me talk. Sorry. You had your fun All talking right. about Ethan Hawke. Now it's my turn. Yes, and he that's even like a 100% super expensive bottle of human blood. And it gets to the point like he's dumping it down the sink. That's how revolted he is by it. And he's this hematologist having to do tests on chimpanzees and humans and everything. And he's trying to find the cure at the same. And he's motivated because he cannot stand the way things are. He doesn't want to keep farming humans. So the humanity. Vampire retaining his humanity no matter what. That's something. That's a trope. It is a trope. You're right. You're right. Um, But this time he gets to reverse it. Um, I would say this movie and Near Dark both brought something back to the table. um, Or something, excuse me, new to the table in terms of vampire lore. Because even like in Near Dark, you know, it's like, no, we're just going to do a blood transfusion. Yeah, and that's going to take you to the vet, the dad, (laughs) the farm vet. Drain out the bad blood, put in some human blood. It was very manual, basically. Yeah. There was no nothing. It almost really was like um, a parasite or something that you just had to get rid of. You yeah. Know? But um, in terms of favorite Ethan Hawke roles, I got to go way back to my elementary school days. And I loved him in White Fang. Like, oh, yeah, it's the dude from Dead Poet Society. I love him in Sinister, the way he dupes his family. And so he can write his next book about the house that they're living in where people were actually killed. It wasn't someplace down the road. Nope, we're in that house where this family got mysteriously hung by somebody that's not even showing up on camera. Yep. Ooh, that movie. That movie still gets me. And of course, Training Day with Denzel Washington. That rookie detective just has his eyes open to the corruption, to having to be a little bit harder about things than he normally thought. He cut his teeth that day with Denzel's character. And of course, yeah, we talked about this, loving him in black foam. Foam. (laughs) Ethan Hawke, will you stand in this black foam? Looks cushy. Keep moving around in that black foam. The black phone. Loved him in the before movies, before sunrise, sunset, midnight. Though that's excellent. But I mean, the first one's my favorite. Um, looking over here at the old DVD rack, um, what's the woman who's in that with him? Um, uh, Julie Delpy. That's that's the woman. She's in all three of that with him. Yeah. That is such a romantic movie, especially the first one. Um. But yeah, those those ones are probably I've been rewatching Sinister quite a bit. Sinister is actually beginning like a once a year replay for me because um, I think it takes the found footage and mixes it in with the rest of the film. But um, I loved the Purge movie. But you know what? I actually also rewatched them even more uh, of in than the Purge is the um, Assault on Precinct thir- uh, 13. Percinct. Remake. Percinct. Yeah. <laughs> Remake. Great cast in that one, too. I, I think that's... You, know, you want to talk about a remake done right. That's pretty entertaining remake. Um, and yeah, like I said, Fish Priest. I got to check out Fish Priest. I even like the way he does the ad for his own character. 
whatever. What is it? He's like Los Angeles, 1990. The gangs rule the streets. <laughs> just very laid back, cool, Ethan Hawke detective character. I don't know if that was accurate, what I just said, but you get the gist. Yeah. Um, so what about your favorite character? Well, hold on. I No, no, no. You've talked enough about Ethan Hawke. No. You're cut off from the Hawk. I didn't tell my favorite Ethan Hawke movies. Yes, you did. No, I didn't. You totally did. I did oh, not. No, 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 no. No, no I didn't. didn't. I kind of stole some of yes, yours, I think. It's all, right. it's all right. I am so, so not sorry. I loved him in Before Sunrise. And again, I think that is my favorite. Although I do love the second one, uh, Before Sunset. I do love that movie, too. Um but I loved him in Dead Poet Society. That hmm. was such a good role and such a good movie. Um, I, that's probably that's actually, if you look back on that one, it's such an ensemble cast. Actually, oh yeah, there's a ton of people in that movie. Like yeah, back then in like the late '80s, it was like, oh, it's Robin Williams and a bunch of like a couple rising, you know, stars. Like yeah. still pretty much no name. Yeah. You know? Somebody said, oh, it's the kid from Explorers. Yeah. But um, the Joe Dante film. But um, yeah. anyways. But, you know, of course, I loved him in Gattaca. I actually love yeah. that. This has got shades. Daybreakers it, has shades of Gattaca yes. to it. You have that detective feel mixed in with sci-fi, space, exploration, um, murder, murder mystery a little bit, you know. Hmm. Uh, that's... A, Plus, you have, like, the whole thing of, like, basically stealing someone's life, you know, paying for someone's life to better your life. That That's a whole other. We could go there. So, now, can we talk about yes. favorite character? Yeah. Okay, who is it? I think we already know. <laughs> Ethan Hawke. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, I, like I said, he holds on to his humanity, Um the thought of him not wanting to celebrate his birthday after 10 years, I can relate to that. <laughs> I definitely can relate to that. Birthdays now are getting to You could have fooled me. <laughs> We're not going to... I could hear it now. You're not going to do anything for my birthday. We're too busy. Oh, yeah. You don't care about <laughs> celebrating your birthday. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to turn 40. I don't want to be reminded of it. We're so busy. We're not even going to get to go out to eat where I want to go out to eat. But yeah, you don't care about your birthday. Oh, <laughs> uh, d- folks, don't don't let her lie to you like that. You're fucking kidding me. You don't care about your birthday. Give me a break. I got to think about a month of advance. What What do you like? What do you want to do? How can I make her feel special? But you don't care about your birthday. Let's put that one to the test and see how well that goes for me. Why? You didn't care about your birthday. We're not doing anything. You said you didn't care. Wrong. My turn. Okay. I'm going with one you didn't think I was going to go with. I'm going with Michael Dorman. The guy who plays the brother of Ethan Hawke's character. Yeah, Frankie Dalton. His character arc was very Anakin Skywalker-like, but in reverse. I just like how much of a Hitler youth he was. Like went from this cold-blooded, like, just, you know, lockstep soldier. Um, but the last straw was his complicity in dragging out his own kind to their death, Holocaust-style. Specifically it, the one that he turned, which was her, his daughter. Sam Neill's character's daughter, yeah. Yeah, Brawley. 
Uh, is it Browley or Bromley? Bromley. Bromley. Browley. <laughs> Owley. <laughs> but um, yeah, that that as big as all of the names were, and I loved every moment with our three main dudes. I just have to go with something a little different here because I think it was it was an important little arc that happened and it happened very quickly. It did, and the fact that he changed by accident, they found the the next cure because they recreated what happened mm-hmm. to Willem Dafoe's character. Speaking Alex. of Frankie character, let's move on to favorite death and effects. Okay, so my favorite death is actually Frankie. He sacrifices himself so they can escape. Mm-hmm. All the soldiers are tearing into him. You know, the whole entire sequence where... Yeah, he kind of starts the reverse of everything, actually. They're turned from there on and then out. It's just, it's my favorite because... It's like a domino effect. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm going to go all the ways back to the beginning of this movie when the sub-creature vampire breaks in and they have to, like, fight it, basically, and Frankie bleeds it. He cuts off its head eventually. Um the scene where they find like half their group butchered had some gnarly bodies in it. I know I'm cheating because I'm selecting multiple, but then how about when Sam Neill gets killed and his like head is still blinking or moving around after he's decapitated for like a hot second. That That was was a cool cool. look. So Carrie, what are you giving daybreakers for a rating? Even though I, I really do love this movie. I'm giving it a three and a half flame flowers. That's a very good score though. There was just some, some editing I, issues, I think. Yeah, all of a sudden it was like, whoa, okay, all yeah. of a sudden we're here. Yeah. The editing was a little choppy. Um, How do we get from this point to that point? Yeah, things, it's like, well, it's like, I guess they did place us at the beginning of the film smack dab right at the start of the vampire apocalypse, basically. Um, so I guess that does justify things spiraling out of control. This is very much like the Revenge of the Sith of Vampire films, actually. Not quite as long as that, but the the, the arcs happen very quickly in this movie. Um, I, I'm the same. Some things felt a little rushed. Then again, I'm glad it didn't drag on. The editing, it's like, whoa, okay, we're going here. This happened already. Okay, wow, he's no longer part of the, the corporatocracy. He's no longer in the hematology. He's joining the human resistance. Okay, wow, he already turned. And oh, wow, now his brother's at Oh, now he's having to change art. Oh, now the movie's over. Yeah. So uh, for that reason, I'm going three and a half uh, out of five flamethrowers. Very good. Just some minor little issues with it. That does it, folks. That's it for September. This is it. We are coming up on our first ever October Halloween 258366. We're going to be talking about Friday the 13th, uh, one, two, three, and four for the first couple weeks. Then, mid to end of October on the 20th, we're talking Carpenter's Prince of Darkness, and we are going to round it out where Jake's going to lead the way talking about Return of the Living Dead. November, December, that's our combo month. We are hungry for the holidays. Here it's DFM. Uh, we're going to do. November starts with Grindhouse. Jake's going to be on that episode with us. The last horror film by Troma, Joe Spinell. Doing the OG Dawn of the Dead. We're going to go to another classic, Gremlins. We're going to talk about, hey, Billy, it's me. (laughs) It's me, Billy. Hey, Billy. You want some blood, Billy? Black Christmas. Episode 44. Ray Weiss, Dead End, and then a modern Hammer movie, The Lodge. 
Now, folks, we are about to go to intermission. Stick around. Where in horror, etc. Carrie, what do you have for us? My top 10 90s vampire movies. Uh-huh. And I'm going to read a little bit of the first chapter of The Space Vampires. Love you guys. See you for segment two. This morning, Billy looked like any other boy, but as the moon rose, he turned into a werewolf. He used new Pa's Halloween makeup kits. His friends did too. Look, Mike's a vampire. Amy's a ghost. Pa's makeup is safer than masks. It never blocks vision and it's hypoallergenic too. So watch your kids turn into the creatures they really are with new Pa's Halloween makeup kits. Halloween's coming. What are you going to do about it? Whether you do a little or a lot, be an original this Halloween and find yourself at Hallmark. Hallmark has a way. And at participating Hallmark stores, get your hands on the spooky sounds tape, full of creepy sounds and Halloween theme songs. $1.95 with any $5 Hallmark purchase, only at participating Hallmark stores. It's a scream. The Halloween Hall of Fame will continue after these messages. All right, guys, we are back for segment two, Horror Etc., where Carrie is going to read her favorite top ten. Is it your favorite? Yeah. Shoulder shrug. Yeah. Yeah, and then I'm going to read a little bit of the Space Vampires book. All right, by uh, Colin Wilson, by the way. All right, Carrie, take it away. Take your time and take it away. All right, so... Just to be clear. I'll, rea- I'll react. Just to be clear. This is kind of like my list, you know, mm-hmm. so to speak. Yeah. Don't worry. I'm going to give you a hard time. I know you are. Okay. Okay. So at number 10, Dracula Dead and Loving It. I enjoy that one. I don't I don't really have a lot to say about that one other than it's funny as hell. What, like, is there, what stands out in that movie? <laughs> I mean, I have an idea. Yeah. Okay. It, it's, you know... We could review that one. We could, yeah, it's just it's one of those. It's a good laugh. It gives you a good laugh. Um, number nine, subspecies two. Oh wow! Okay. Well, I actually kind of agree with this list so far. Okay, what what is it about? Like, let me ask this: Is subspecies on this list the first one? Okay, so obviously you don't like this one as much as the first subspecies. Yes. Okay, what is it that you like about subspecies two? I I like how there's kind of like you have the sister that gets involved and then she runs away and she's trying to hide out. There's that little like playing catch a mouse. Plus you find out that well, his they mother move, was... They move beyond the yeah, castle. Yeah, they move beyond the castle. They go into the city. Yeah. <laughs> Somehow he's just able to randomly show up in the city and know yeah. exactly where she's at. Exactly. I mean, I guess you could trace... If you're the master, you could trace where you're... Well, and his mom at. is there, like, in Oh, some yeah, tomb. she's like a witch crypt yeah. keeper type yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. I forgot about that part. So he knows his mom's there, so he was just going to his mom. Hey, mom. I'm hey, just, mom. just checking in. How's, life, how's yeah. city life doing, mom? I killed dad. <laughs> I killed dad. Uh, brother's gone, too. Yeah. How's it going? And she's like, yeah, I'm cool with all that. You must assume your power. Yeah. <laughs> I knew you were always going to have to kill the rest of our family off. Time to take charge. <laughs> 
Yep, that's yeah. a good one. And remind me why it's the focus is on the bloodstone. Because the bloodstone is a secret, so like he doesn't have to go out and hunt. It's like got this secret power. It gives him strength and superpower. And so the knowledge. blood will just come out of the stone whenever yeah. he needs it. Yeah. Oh dang. Okay. Well, you, look you didn't at pick you. Up on you're that? a little. No, I. I think you're, you enjoy these movies more than me, actually. <laughs> yeah. Hence, it's my life. There's a. By the way, there's like what five or six blood uh, bloodstones subspecies now. Yeah. And um, there's even a spinoff called The Vampire Diaries too. And yes, I know that that's a show, but there's yes. an actual spinoff movie okay. called The Vampire Diaries. That's I don't I listen. I don't know anything about any of the Vampire Diaries out there. Did you, didn't you start watching? And that was Kevin Williamson doing I Vampire Diaries, right? It. I was you surprised it a lot. how much I actually enjoyed it. Yeah, but it's Kevin Williamson. You love Kevin I Williamson. Do, type. I do. Yeah. Was it just as like quippy and oh, very and snarky as very like, quippy. Scream? Very snarky. So good, good amount of humor and yeah. smart ass and all lots that of kind drinking. Of stuff. <laughs> yeah. is, th- is that a, a trait of Kevin Williamson writing? Mm. Lots of people that drink. I mean, I guess his it movies always is. have a party going on. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So wait a minute. How do we get from subspecies two to <laughs> Kevin Williamson? Okay. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. All right. Okay. Number eight. Subspecies. <laughs> okay <laughs> you only liked it slightly more than than yeah. the second one yeah <laughs> right. that's funny so the very next one okay um <laughs> and so why no 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 no. we're gonna break this down <laughs> why does it get one notch above i think it's a better storyline if you would have like all of a sudden it's like your number two i would have like wait a second you really love <laughs> subspecies something's going on oh i'm God. glad that the, i'm glad that I neither I put it i was thinking of putting it yeah. higher I wait was. a second what's number 10 again <laughs> You're like, You're dead in love. <laughs> okay <laughs> well at least these are a notch above dracula dead in love. i mean that's kind of apples and oranges but it's kind of apples and bloodstones <laughs> okay this is a very interesting list okay it's like I've got subspecies too. All right. I'm, and most people would be like, oh, yeah, you're picking that one. Like, you like that one for a specific reason. And then immediately after that, it's the, the original one. Okay. I was debating on putting that one a little higher. But okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, first of all, let's be honest. It's we guilty need to, pleasure. We need to watch more, blood, uh, Jesus, subspecies. Yeah. Um, but anyways, yeah, yeah, full moon. There's a lot of, and I we're just working on um, at the end of this season, folks. Actually, we're going to be releasing the season two guide, um, which will we'll take a break after the holidays and come back like mid to end of February 2024 for season two, and uh, we'll have another 40 episodes. But then we were actually already working on 2025 and season three, and for season three. We're going to have some different themed months in season two. Um, we talk more about that towards the holidays. But um, still working on the idea for the last pub crawl. That hasn't gone away. Just It's just storyboard mode because we've just got so much going on personally. Um, and then, uh, but season three, yeah, it's going to have a shit ton of variety. We're going to jump around from Hammer 
to Full Moon Pictures, to Troma, to Cronenberg in season three. Um, we're going to continue on with uh, Slashers in season three. Um, we're not actually season three, we're not at doing as many modern like like we just did the three or four like 2010s 2020s but um anyways i'm getting off track yep um up no 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 where's my bloodstone (laughs) (laughs) okay what is number wait a second you still haven't said why the original bloodstone it's a better story you still haven't mentioned my favorite part of bloodstone the little creatures that help him out yeah, yeah, those the the creature the that he cuts demons. off his fingers and makes yeah. him to demons. Lo- they do what? his bidding. I do like the bloodstone picks up immediately after where the first one yeah. ends. Even though we don't get to see his the original actor, the brother, he dies at the end. But anyways, yeah. okay, so what's number seven? <laughs> I'm afraid to ask. <laughs> Is it another Leslie Nielsen movie somehow? He was in two vampire films. <laughs> Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh, boo. <laughs> oh, I'm, you know, now I'm kind of disagreeing with you. <laughs> and I was thinking of putting subspecies a little higher than that. I was thinking oh, of reversing them. No. Oh, but... God, I'm getting scared. I'm officially getting scared now. You know what? That's an entertaining movie. It just doesn't have high rewatch value for me. Yeah. Okay, so what? It's what... nostalgia for me, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I will say I never got into the show. Oh, the show was good. I yeah, love the you show. Would, you would say that. This is listen. This is the same person who like watched Charmed and. Don't mess with my charm. <laughs> See, dude, this is like we're getting into WB territory now. See, I'm not liking this. <laughs> you cannot mess with Charmed. <laughs> I'm gonna mess with it. Um, you just wait till one day I introduce Ghostly Poppers to Charmed. Oh, she's gonna love. I think it. I'm gonna be busy. She's gonna love it. <laughs> I'm gonna have fun with that one. Brr. All right, what do we got for number six? I'm getting scared now. John Carpenter Vampires. Wow, that came out of left field for me. I didn't think you were going to... Have you watched the Vampire sequel with John Bon Jovi? I have not. I think you've shown me the trailer, but (laughs) I have not seen the sequel. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Vampires Los Muertos. Yeah. John Bon Jovi, it is bad. It is really bad. I'd love to say like, <laughs> I'd love to see his daughter-in-law. What is what would his daughter-in-law? But future daughter-in-law. Is it? Married. Oh, it hasn't happened yet. They're engaged. Eleven hasn't married Bon Jovi's son yet. Yeah. Okay. What is her name again? Millie Bobby. Millie Brown. Bobby Brown. Okay. Yeah. All right. I had to think about it for a minute. Yeah. Okay. So wait, that was number six. Yes. Okay. Oh boy. We don't, we're, we're halfway through this list. I'm getting scared. I'm officially scared. Number five. Uh-oh. Night Flyer. Really? Yeah. The Stephen King Night Flyer? Yeah. What about it? It was just a good one. I enjoyed watching it. Did you? <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> what about it do you like, Carrie? It's been a long time since I've seen it. <laughs> I call bullshit. I'm not gonna lie. It's been a long time. Oh no, boo hiss hiss. Oh, you You're know what? Like... The cre- the creature effects are really cool in that one. Yeah. That, that not too many people talk about Night Flyer. That's a good one. Okay. Okay. You're gonna like this next one. 
Oh, God. This is four? Yep. Okay. You have to give us our numbers as you're counting down, by the okay. way. Otherwise, people are going to get lost. <laughs> oh, shit. I hit the mic. Number four, Bordello of Blood. I am really getting surprised by your list. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that. I like that. I like the Chris Sarandon's in it. Dennis Leary. Dennis Leary's in it. He plays his usual kind of smarmy, snarky, yeah. smug self in it. Um pittsburgh native by the way uh it's not my favorite thing about tales of the crypt um obviously we all love demon knight you know but uh okay wow i'm number four vampire film dang okay bordello of blood all right now here i thought it was the only one that likes sexploitation vampire films but here we are number four is bordello of blood for my wife all right now you're going to probably argue with me the rest of these. Oh my god, the top three? Yes. Well, if number In four the is Bordello of Blood, I am really shocked. I swear to Christ, <laughs> motherfuckers better not be sparkling choices, if you know what I mean. I'll this is 90s. Oh, wait. No, you didn't say 90s. Yes. Did you? Yes. Oh, okay. Where was I when you said that? This is not of maybe all time. I, maybe I got put in a vampire trance whenever you said 90s. And <laughs> this I didn't is just 90s vampire. Oh, hallelujah. This is not my top of all time. This okay, is top, 90s. Top all right, 90s. All right. Thank God. I don't know why I forgot that that was an, <laughs> a, a part of the requirement yes. of this list. Okay. My bad. Just the Ooh, 90s. dodged a bullet there. Just Go the away, 90s. Edward and Jacob. You're not allowed in this episode, even though I just said your names. What? What is it? What's number three? Oh, God. From Dust Till Dawn. Oh, no. I love that choice. I know, but you might disagree with how I ranked it. Okay. Okay. No. Um, that's a really good choice. I like that a lot. Come on, ramblers, let's get rambling. Oh, the whole scene where they end up in in the bar and they don't understand why they just said to stay out in the parking lot. And they're like, no, let's go in. Selma Hayek is awesome in that She movie. is really awesome. I, I mean, I love everyone in that one. There's so many, like... I, There's so many characters. Fucking let's face sex it. machine. <laughs> the freaking the crotch gun with Tom Savini kills me every time. Um I've seen people do co- uh, cosplay uh, sex machine. That's hilarious. Um, wow, that's a good one. No, no, I like that one a lot. Um, Dust Till Dawn 2, the guy from Terminator 2, I believe is in that one. And it's actually fairly entertaining, by the way. Yeah. Have you watched part two? I think I've watched part of it. I mean, look, it's a huge drop off from the first one. I think I've watched part of it, like... I might have been in and out of the room doing something. Dude, I would love Joe Bob or or Sven Gould. I would love a horror host to do Dust Till Dawn. That would be great. They probably can't interrupt yeah. it. That's yeah. probably part of the problem. Okay, let's okay. move right along to number two. Can you imagine the stories from your, Dust Till Dawn? Yeah. Oh. What's number two on your top 90s vampire list? So number two. Oh, God. Interview with a Vampire. No, I don't like, I don't dislike that one either. I don't just, yeah, would I have put Dusk to Dawn, but that's my flavor. That's the way I like it. I don't, I don't, I would not sit there and rewatch Interview with a Vampire if you weren't around. Yeah, I think I've rewatched it more than you. Now, what I will say is, 
what I think is going to be your number one, I've rewatched to death. And if you gave me the choice, I would say let's watch Interview with a Vampire over what's probably going to be your number one. For the record, folks, I don't have the episode guide in front of me for her segment. So I don't know what it's going to be 100%, but I'm 99.9% that I think you're on this right involves path. Francis Ford Coppola at number one. <laughs> Okay. You are correct. And that would be what? Bram Stoker's, Stoker's Dracula. Mm-hmm. I knew that. Gary Oldman. As soon as you reminded me that this was 90s, I knew that one was going to be number one. It's, it's just the, I know the order would yeah. be different for you. And we're actually going to do Coppola's Dracula in season two. We're going to review that one. I'm so excited. I, I love that movie. I do too. I, I love Interview with a Vampire and it has its place, but it's very long. Yeah. Very long. Yep. It's like Meet Joe Black long. And I enjoyed Meet Joe Black. Don't go you're wrong. Don't bring up we t- when our double date episode and <gasps> our double date episode I talked to you about the cringy dainty moments yes. and mine involved Meet Joe Black book and a terrible kisser in a bowling alley. Well, <laughs> yes, I watched Meet story. Joe Black with my mother. So can't get much better. Oh god. Oh yeah. The whole peanut butter tasting experience. Well, I was just gonna say that like Brad Pitt's characters, he's got a thing about chewing food with his characters. Like, think about him in Ocean Eleven eating the shrimp. Yeah. His characters are always eating. Even in Inglorious Bastards, he's he's chewing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's doing the chew, the tobacco chew. Yeah. Um, but anyways, yay. You know what? I really like the eclectic mix of your vampire list. I love that you have the Leslie Nielsen movie in there. The Dude, two subspecies 90s vampire flicks. That's a lot of subspecies for a top 10 list. <laughs> well, I, it, and these are my top 10. And admittedly, yeah, there's probably some 90s vampire movies that I haven't seen. By the way, subspecies, he's got an obnoxious amount of blood constantly dripping from his mouth in subspecies. It's like, dude, did you just keep biting your own lip and tongue? Why does blood keep pouring out no matter what's going on? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but no, it's that's a fun little quirk of that movie. But, um, well, all of them. But uh, anyways, guys, now, Carrie, it's my turn now that you gave me the brew. Really awesome. And I, I agree with like most of that. Most of it. That was good. Um, Bordello of Blood. That's the big one for me. I didn't think you would pick something like that at all. So we are going to move on to the Space Vampires. Okay. And this one um, is by Colin Wilson. And this movie was a, uh, this movie, this book was a, adapted. I was about to say adopted adapted into a movie called life force directed by toby hooper and that's one that i really love that's a little bit of a sexploitation but it's not really about sex i mean it kind of is because there's matilda may the main naked brunette vampire in that movie and we've got a a chuckling patrick stewart in this movie but yeah toby hooper same guy you guys know who Tubi. we've been watching Tubi, which is why i said it um Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Toby Hooper. You're my favorite. Um, Yeah, let's read a little bit of chapter one here. Take a little sip of water before I dive right in. Chapter one of the space vampires. Their instruments picked up the massive outline long before they saw us. That was to be expected. What baffled Carlson was that even when they were a thousand miles away, and the braking rockets had cut their speed to 700 miles an hour, it was still invisible. 
Then Craigie, peering through the crystal glass of the port, saw it outlined against the stars. The others left their places to stare at it. Dabrowski, the chief engineer, said, another asteroid. What shall we name this one? Carlson looked out through the port. His eyes narrowed against the blinding glare of the stars. When he touched the analyzer control, symmetrical green lines flowed across the screen. Distorted upwards by the speed of their approach, he said, that's no asteroid. It's all metal. Dabrowski came back to the panel and stared at it. What else could it be? At this speed, the humming of the atomic motors was scarcely louder than an electric clock. They moved back to their places and watched as the expanding shape blocked the stars. They examined and charted nine new asteroids in the past month. Now, each knew, with the instinct of trained spaceman, that this was different. At 200 miles, the outline was clear enough to leave no doubt, Craggy said. It is a bloody spacecraft, but Christ, how big is it? In empty space, with no landmarks, distances could be deceptive. Carlson depressed the keys of the computer. Looking over his shoulder, um, 50 miles? <laughs> That's impossible, Craigie said. Dabrowski punched the keys and stared at the result. 49.64 miles, nearly 80 kilometers. The black shape now filled the port. Yet even at this distance, no details could be seen, Lieutenant Ive said. It's only a suggestion, sir. But wouldn't it be an idea to wait until we get a reply to our signal from base? That'll be another 40 minutes. Base was the moon, 200 million miles away. Traveling at the speed of light, it would take their signal half an hour to get there and another half hour to bring a reply. I'd like to get closer. Now the motors were silent. They were drifting towards the spacecraft at 50 miles an hour. Carlson switched off all the cabin lights. Um, gradually, as their eyes adjusted, they could see the gray, metal, gray black metal walls that seemed to absorb the sunlight. When they were a few hundred yards away, Carlson stopped the Hermes, name of the ship. The seven men crowded against the port through its thick crystal as transparent as clear water. They could look up at the side of the craft, towering above like an iron cliff. As far as their eyes could see, below, the same wall seemed to plunge into the gulf of space. They were all accustomed to weightlessness, but it produced a sensation of dizziness to look down. Some instinctively drew back from the glass. <coughs> Pardon me. At this distance, it was clear that the ship was derelict. The walls were grained and pitted. A hundred yards away to the right, a ten-foot hole had been ripped through the plates. The searchlight showed that the metal was six inches thick. As the beam moved slowly over the walls, they could see other deep indentations and smaller meteor holes. Steinberg, the navigator, said, She looks as though she's been in a war. Could be, but I think that's mostly meteor damage. It must have been a meteor storm. They stared in silence. Carlson said, either that or she's been here a very long time. No one had to ask what he meant. The chances of a spacecraft being struck by a meteor are roughly the same as the chance of a ship in the Atlantic bumping into a floating wreck. For this hulk to be so battered, it would have had to spend thousands of years in space. Craggy, the Scots radio operator, said, I don't like this bloody thing. 
There's something nasty about it. The others felt the same, Carlson said almost casually, and it could be the greatest scientific discovery of the 21st century. <clears throat> In the excitement and tension of the past hour, no one had thought of this. Now, with the telepathic intuition that seems to develop between men in space, they all grasped what was in Carlson's mind. This can make each individual of them more famous than the first men on the moon. They had found a spacecraft that was clearly not from Earth. They had therefore established beyond question that there is intelligent life in other galaxies. The sound of the radio made them all jump. It was their reply from Moonbase. The voice was that of Dan Zelensky, the chief controller. Obviously, their message had already caused excitement. Zelensky said, okay, proceed with caution and test for radioactivity and space virus. Report back as soon as possible. In the silence, they could all hear it. They could also hear Craigie's reply dictated by Carlson. Craigie's voice sound cracked from excitement. This is definitely an alien spacecraft, approximately 50 miles long and 25 miles high. It looks like some damn great castle floating in the sky. It seems unlikely there's life aboard. It's probably been here for at least a few hundred years. We request permission to investigate. This message was repeated half a dozen times at minute intervals, so that even if space static made most of them inaudible, one might get through. In the hour and during which they waited for the reply, the Hermes bumped gently against the unknown craft. They were all eating tinned beef, ew, and washing it down with scotch whiskey. The excitement had made them ravenous. Again, Zelensky came on personally, and his voice was also thick with tension. <coughs> Please take fullest possible precautions. And if any danger, prepare for return to moon base immediately. You were advised not to attempt to board until you've had a night's sleep. I've talked to John Skeet at Mount Palomar, and he admits that he's baffled. If this thing's 50 miles across, it should have been discovered 200 years ago. Long exposure photographs showed nothing in that part of the sky. Please complete all their possible tests before attempting to board. And that's it for now, folks. Carrie, any thoughts so far about space vampires? I love it. Yeah. Yeah, I want to hear more. Yeah, I'm telling you. Space awesome. Vampires. Life Force is a great movie. And it actually, is. they capture the opening of this book quite well at least so far love you guys hey next week we're kicking off halloween 25 no 20 yeah 25 threes whatever the hell it is we love halloween <laughs> and we're gonna be talking killer mommy killer friday the 13th talk to you later dudes peace out <laughs>